0: I'm Andrew Michael Stone. That's out of that, guys. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, as you could tell, we also have our mics going over here because we're uh, recording our podcast. Got a little bit of that funky music going on in the background. Gotta mm. love it. We're ready. Yes, sir. All right, so let's talk about UFC 222. Let's uh, recap it a little bit. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, good card overall, I would say. Weird card, I would say, overall. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because you had, what, five split
1: decisions on one night. I think that was a new record. And then you had some weird endings. You had a disqualification, a fight that should have ended, uh, but didn't end the way it should have. And what well, we'll probably get into it in a few minutes, right?
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, right off the top, I mean, I thought it was—I thought it was a good. C- you know what? Leading up to that card, you know, we talked a lot about yeah. about you know the quality of the different cards and how like every time you underestimate a card, it always turns out pretty well. I thought it was good. I don't know if I would say it was an excellent card.
1: I think what was good for me was the fact that the main fights did deliver. The co-main and the main. And I even say the uh, the Sean O'Malley fight also delivered.
0: Yeah, okay. So let's talk about Sugar Sean O'Malley because, man, that kid is a superstar in the making. He's what he's 10-0 right now. Yeah. And, man, the swagger. The, somebody put up a video. This is incredible, okay? Somebody put up a video of uh, Sean O'Malley and the way that he, he moves. You know, he's got that kind of karate stance and everything. And they showed like him doing a kick, and then they showed Conor McGregor doing the same kick. It's it's they're twins.
1: Yeah, you know what? I think when you look at the when he did the, the interview with Ariel Helwani recently, the way he was I mean he was dressed like John Lennon style, right? A bit hippie, <laughs> a bit teaching Chong. He has his own swagger going on. I think he understands the game of MMA, especially in the UFC. Dana White says it: you gotta sell yourself. If you can put asses in seats. And get people to buy pay-per-views that don't matter. Now, the way he presents himself, is it really who he is every day? I don't know. But he's a very smart kid. He knows that not only you must fight well, you must present yourself well. You must call out people. You must look good. And you must
0: fight well as well. Or or at, at the very least, if you're not looking good, look like yourself you know, be, be the best representation of yourself. And, you know, he was talking about the, the new, uh, his new, uh, marijuana strain that's coming out that he personally made with, I forget who, somewhere in California, uh, with a dispensary over there. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be selling it out of California. Anyways, I'm not going to, you know, promote the product for him. I don't really care, but what I'm saying is he's unique.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's not only unique, but I think that there is going to, he's going to get a new market maybe with that too, because there's in that area, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it in the sense that if you do want to, you want to smoke cannabis in California, it's legal to do so. Yep. And he may get new fans out of it too, Absolutely. Right? And even uh, we, we, we saw on the MMA news that he... He had he received like a gold glove filled with cannabis. and So this is going to be his little thing. It's going to be his perk. It's going to be his way of, of of marketing himself
0: and kudos to him. But not only that, he fights really well too. Absolutely. He really does. It. He looks good. He looks uh, clean, fluid. He looks confident. And I think that's the most important thing because reportedly he came into that fight already with a fractured foot. Yeah. And then he hurt it even worse and he couldn't stand on it, which I don't understand why his opponent didn't just... You know, I think that's what we were talking about that night when we were watching it together. Why didn't he just stand up and back up? And tell O'Malley to get up. Yeah, tell O'Malley to get up. The ref eventually has to tell them both to get up. And if O'Malley can't stand on his leg, it's over.
1: You know what? I think that's maybe in in, in the mood of fighting and the tunnel vision you may get and the stress that you may get and you're looking at the clock and all that. You may not be thinking just about, oh, if if I stand him up. I mean, the whole world watching is not... We're not the ones fighting. We're not the ones in the octagon. It's simple for us to say maybe lack of experience, but when you look, you know, Mike Perry did it a couple weeks ago. Also, Mike Perry on the last ten seconds had his opponent badly injured. What did he do? He jumped on him and took him to the ground. It's completely, it's completely useless when you got ten or fifteen seconds. You just bite down on your mouth guard and go in and try to knock him out.
0: Yeah, uh, but you know what? Nonetheless, I still think well, the great thing is that he's he's like I mean, he is one of the most promising band of weights Uh, in his division and I think uh, you know he's he's really going to uh, to turn heads he's already turning heads his popularity is rising Uh, and I think people you either love or hate uh, O'Malley but as long as you watch him exactly but here's the thing here's the thing about Sean O'Malley and I don't want him to I don't want the
1: UFC Dana White and Sean Shelby to do the same mistake and build him up too quickly the opponent he had was a perfect entry level to the UFC Yes, he's got swagger. Yes, he's got potential. But don't go and put him against a top 10 opponent just yet. Because if he gets murked, he goes back to the prelims. Yeah. Okay? We saw that with, uh, with uh, Ozdemir. We saw that with Francis and Ngannou. Where we these were big prospects supposed to take out the you know the experienced fighters. And they got mauled.
0: Yeah. The hype trade is real in the UFC. And people are always going crazy over certain, uh, certain fighters. Certain types of fighters as well. Like I look at... And it makes me think of Mackenzie Dern. Who... Like, okay, she's cute. You're she's, still not sure. I, I, I I'm not 100% sold yet. Like, apparently she's supposed to be a uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion, like a world champion. Yep. I mean, she was up against Ashley Yoder. Yoder is not a big name. I mean, she's 5-4 and four now, I think, uh, in the UFC. Or not in the UFC, but just in, in her professional MMA uh, career. I don't know. I wasn't that impressed. I mean, I don't see what the hype is about. Well, you know, I, I think her ground work probably
1: speaks for herself. However, in that fight, what we saw is her stand up and going forward and straight. I didn't like the way she was winging her punches, leaving her chin exposed. It may have been a good strategy for this particular fight, but I can guarantee you something: when you're fighting the elite, top ten, top five, maybe even top fifteen at the strawweight division, yeah. I don't expect her to be able to do that same strategy. I think she's going to get tagged, she's going to get hurt, and she may even get knocked out when, you go, when you're running forward like that. So I, I feel like there may be a slight... L- There's a bit of experience missing the in the stand-up the department. But a bit of work, and she'll be there, I think. Yeah? Yeah, I think so.
0: She's cute, she's fun to watch, she's, she's great with, to interview. She's good with the media, yeah, you I know? get all that. But I feel like she could be in a little better shape. Yeah, not that I should speak because I'm not exactly, you know, Mr. Universe myself, but I'm not a professional MMA fighter. It's a good point.
1: It's a good point. But you know what? Don't judge body types. BJ Penn. BJ Penn, I mean, never had a, a really developed body like Joel Romero or any of these guys, right? But he had cardio for days when he was in his, when he was in his prime as well. So we we have to see, we have to keep watching her just to see, is is it really a strength and conditioning issue? Is it just a stand-up issue? Or is she really legitimately an athlete in great shape, but just doesn't have the body type to show it? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that
0: either. No, for sure. And I mean, look—you can't. You hit the nail on the head. You can't really underestimate, you know, the way somebody performs just based on the way that their body necessarily looks. And we're not shaming anybody's bodies here, okay? Where well, that's not what we're trying to do on Stone on Sports. Not our intention. But when you look at somebody like Daniel Cormier, it's the same kind of thing, right? When you look at him, you don't think. That this guy can go 25 minutes hard, hard. Yeah, you know, like yeah. just 25 minutes in the octagon, nonstop, uh, incredible cardio, uh, un- unparalleled strength. Look, I'm, I'm open to being wrong about Mackenzie Dern. I'm 100% open to being wrong. I just, I think people need to calm down a little bit. You want to get hyped about somebody, get hyped about O'Malley that's somebody worth getting hyped over because he's always looking to finish his fights, too. That's one thing that you have to uh, uh, give him credit for as But well. maybe
1: bad luck, but he hasn't finished a fight since officially fighting in the UFC because he's had two fights. The Contender Series wasn't considered a, on an MMA record. If I, uh, I'm i not too sure, but I think it was just a two-rounder. But anyways, uh, he's got the style. He's got the strength. He's got everything to be a star. What's next?
0: Yeah, exactly. You what's next? Well, what is next? Because it's the bantamweight division, and it's a... He's he's coming in and he's really kind of... I don't want to say throwing off the Bantamweight division, but it could be really interesting because this guy is an up-and-comer and you'd have to think that he's going to keep going and going and going. like I I could see him already fighting top 10 people. I wouldn't do it yet. I wouldn't do it because if he gets murked, you just ruined it. I don't think he would, though. I mean, hold on. If you put him up against, let's say, in the Bantamweight division, right off the top of... I don't know the, the rankings by heart. I apologize, but... Uh, I'm just curious to know. So, if you put him against, let's say, because if you put him against a top tier opponent, you put him against Jimmy Rivera. You put him against. Uh,
1: you know what wouldn't be a, a terrible fight though, because Henan Barral actually has been on a losing streak for a while now. Yeah, I would put him maybe against Henan Henan Barao's uh, five foot six. He's got a
0: maybe. For, That's...
1: former world champ, but yeah. he's he's been on on a, on a hard, difficult streak right now. He's not the same man that he was a couple of years ago. Maybe John Dotson, but again, John Dotson is a hell of a
0: beast. Yeah, he's a beast, but no, he's also he, five he, foot three. Like it's, it's 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 almost unfair. I think O'Malley is like five eleven or something, uh, or or five. Doesn't matter. No, it does matter. What are you talking about, Daniel Cormier, John? Well, yeah, he did lose. <laughs> lose. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, anyway, that's uh, that's uh, one of those things, but. Anywho, um, moving along. So, uh, Shalom Ali, great. Uh, Really loved him. I think it's uh, very impressive. Can't wait to see more of his stuff. Can't wait to see him do, uh, you know, a couple of interviews again and everything. And, uh, yeah, I like him. Really, really like him. Somebody else I really like. And there's a hype train that's uh, fully loaded. It's at max capacity right now. It's going 200 miles an hour. It's the Brian T-City Ortega hype train. And... I'm going to be honest with you, UFC, MMA fans. I can't blame you. That makes perfect sense. Ortega? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because look, he, he went in and did something that nobody in ever has been able to do to Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar has lost fights all by decision. He's never been submitted, never been knocked out. T-Cities did say he was going to finish him. He was going to be the first man to do it. Yeah. And he did it in incredible fashion. And not even in the way we would have actually assumed that he would. Because he's a BJJ expert.
0: Uh, and the thing about Frankie Edgar, okay, he's a smaller guy. Uh, yeah. You know, he's five foot six. He was up against uh, Ortega, who I believe is 5'11". That's who I'd mistaken him with. He's huge. And Edgar has a tendency to kind of come into the, you know, to fight in the clinch. He has a tendency to come in. Cl- you have no choice when you're a small guy or a small female fighter or whatever. You have to come in close and try to land him. But Ortega was so smart to use his elbows. Yeah. Keep him at bay. Yeah. And, and... You'd never seen anything like that happen to Frankie Eggers the first time in his career that he got finished. And I have to tell you, man, like you got to give credit to Frankie. He did not have to do that. He did no, not have to that. No, he's getting a lot of praise. He's getting a
1: ton of praise and deservingly so because, as you said, it the first time he got injured, Max said no problem and gave him another shot. Then Max pulled out, got hurt. Frankie could have waited. Frankie yeah, could have waited for a title shot. Like, I know, think Dana would have said, yeah, you deserve to wait. Yeah, No problem. But then he gave him an unbelievable challenge. But Edgar
0: never says no. But he's the man. That's the thing. He's That's the, the man. Thing. He, he <laughs> is such like... I mean, he. you want to talk about an ambassador to the brand of the UFC, to the sport of MMA? Frankie Edgar is the man. Uh, and actually, funny enough, I read uh, last night uh, Chuck uh, Mendenhall of, uh, uh, of SB Nation or MMA Fighting. He, uh, he wrote it like a little tribute to Frankie Edgar. And it was it was incredible. You should definitely check it out. It was very very nice. But this guy has never said no to anything, and he, it's like he knew that he could have saved UFC 222 after after the um, the Holloway injury was it the Holloway yeah exactly after the Holloway injury, you know somebody had to come in and put up a good fight, and honestly Edgar did, but Ortega is just too good, man. He's just too good. He's too smart. And he's been doing this since he was like 13 years old.
1: Yeah, well, here's the question. Ortega versus Holloway. Now, that's a fight, guys. That's a fight. Because Holloway, he's a phenomenal fighter. I love him as a champion. I mean, he even sent out props to Frank Yeager. A class act. Brian Ortega also, I mean, 13-0. Amazing on the ground. Showed that he can do stand-up as well. This is an exciting match because Holloway has great takedown defense. He's got great BJJ. He's got it all also. So you got two full packages we're going to hit it head on and we'll see from there, man.
0: And uh, and Holloway still has you know a good reach advantage as he's well. Tall. Like he's still very tall and yeah. lanky and he's the kind of person who will keep you at bay with his jabs and his kicks and everything. So yeah, I think Ortega's biggest challenge it's easy to say because it's going to be for for the title fight and Dana White already confirmed that that's 100% happening. Yeah. Uh, as soon as he's healed up. As soon as he's healed up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was cool because, like you said, a lot of the guys are giving him praise. Even Conor McGregor, the king of trash talk, and I rolled my eyes a little bit. But you know, even he gave credit to Edgar. He said, "Man, you're a, you're a champion. You're you know, Lionheart or whatever he said to him." He yeah. publicly praised him on Twitter and on Instagram or whatever it was. And uh, you know what? G- good for Edgar. But but then the problem is, it's like now he kind of set himself up for. Now he has to wait, and then probably what headline, a a fight night. Who are you talking about? Edgar. Because now he has yeah, to wait so, for a team. Yeah, t- so
1: what do we do with Frankie Edgar? Is exactly. What you're saying. That's the question. Yeah, because you know what the problem is? Is He's fought all the top-level guys in there. He's fought
0: them all. What do you yeah. do with him? And he was the number two guy. And now, now, unfortunately, he's down. He's down to, like, number three, which isn't really that big of a deal. Like, I personally... I thought about it on my way over here. I was thinking, why not just... I mean, of course, Ortega right now, he has the championship bout against uh, Holloway, whenever that may be. But I'd love to see a rematch between those two, between Edgar and Ortega. Yes, Ortega was highly dominant, but I just feel like Edgar needs another chance. Isn't that the least that he deserves?
1: Yeah, I know what you're going with that, but the thing is, is I'm not convinced about rematches when it was a really one-sided fight. Had it been a close decision or something like that, I would completely agree with you. And I just want to throw into perspective as well, when you look at Frank Yeager when he fought Yair Rodriguez, Yair Rodriguez was well-known for a stand-up. His kicking was really something else. And Frank Jaeger thought that he was going to be able to utilize his takedown defense, his wrestling, and what he does best. Frank Jaeger, yeah. that's what he does best. Yeah. When he knew he was going to fight Brian Ortega, Ortega is a ground specialist. So automatically, you don't want to necessarily take him to the ground and really test yourself with him. He probably would have, and he probably has, and I know he has the, the ability to fight and to give you know Ortega a hell of a fight even on the ground. But he got caught, man. He got caught. And when you look at the top when you look at the top guys, you got Jose Aldo, you got Jeremy Stephens, Cub Swanson. These are all guys that Frank Yeager already beat. Uh, beat or fought. At least fought. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what do you do with him? We're going to see. We're going to see. But it's not the end
0: for him. Absolutely. No no, 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 no. no. There's this no guy. No the way. only
1: thing I'm going to say, though, I think with all the wars he's been, I think that his chin, although anybody I think would have been knocked out with that hell of a... That was a great uppercut, right, by the way. He lifted him off the ground. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm not saying anybody... Much you know bigger would have been able to take that uppercut, but Edgar's taken a lot of beatings when you look at the fights with Gray Maynard. Don't forget he was a 155-pound champ, at five foot six, really impressive stuff. And he take he, he took you know severe beatings from Gray Maynard and was able to push on and, and and win even by knockout in the second fight. So that leads me to believe that maybe with age and the experience and all the beatings he's taken over the years, maybe he can't take the hits as well as he used to. So he may want to change a bit his training methods. Take a little a bit less damage in his fights. But he's still top tier. He's still, still world class. Uh, anybody who talks about retirement for that guy is no. uh, stupid. It's crazy. Yeah. He's still an elite fighter. And give him his chance again. Absolutely. And do, you, and do
0: you think he's more comfortable at 155?
1: No, no. He's too small now, man. Everyone, You know, at 155, people are cutting down. They're cutting 25 pounds. He's a matter of fact, Frank Yeager should be at 135. You think he should go down to band oh, yeah. weight? Oh, yeah. No problem, too. That guy don't weigh more than 150, 152 on, on non-training times, man. And at 135 pounds, that would be that would be a, an entire new division for him to go and try and sweep like he didn't. Because don't forget, at the 145-pound uh, class, the only fights he had lost prior to Brian Ortega was Jose Aldo, those two fights. Yeah. That's it. Every other fight at the featherweight division, he won. So that shows to you the fighter that he is. Yeah. Send him to 135. Let him test the waters there. Damn! Imagine a fight with Dominic Cruz at 135. Yeah, I had that Woo! name in my head a little oh, yeah. earlier. Oh, yeah. I would I would watch that fight all day long.
0: But does that become like a, a, a co-main event at a UFC? Yep. Or, yeah, you think that's what you do? Because be they good. have star power. Both of them have that yep. star pedigree. They'll attract people. They'll attract viewers and everything. Uh, I mean, people were more excited about that fight than they were about the Chris Cyborg-Yana uh, Kuniskaya fight.
1: So, yeah, but look, there, there was a lot of... Uh, there was, first of all, I'm going to say Chris Cyborg obviously save the USC 222. Because the thing is, uh, I believe that Edgar and Ortega couldn't have been a main event on a pay-per-view. No, I agree. When you're paying 60-something dollars, you're expecting a belt on the line. So kudos to Chris Cyborg and kudos to Kuniskaya also for coming in on short notice. But again, it's the same problem with Chris Cyborg. We mentioned it before. There's not really a featherweight division that's been... Yes, it exists, but there's no top five. There's no top 10 or top 15. And anytime they get... A fighter to go and, and, and challenge chris cyborg for the belt these are all bantamweight women bantamweight yeah and if you look at all the weight the weigh-ins with chris cyborg none of her opponents was at 145. holly holm And all the other fighters were always under 145 Why? Because they naturally don't weigh a whole lot more than that Whereas Chris Cyborg She has to cut 25-30 pounds to make the 145 division So what I'm really, really, really looking forward to Is that the UFC is able to find Legitimate featherweights Who naturally on non-training days
0: Are weighing 165-170 That have that muscle tone that she has Well, I'm thinking The name that pops into my head And I've been talking about her since UFC 214 Megan Anderson Um... But she's got her thing happening right now which she's, she's unable to compete and for whatever
1: personal reasons none of Visas, her business. apparently... Yeah, I know, but... No, apparently, it
0: really just a visa issue? Yeah, and apparently... Send her to
1: Australia, man. <laughs> don't send... It. No, Chris Cy- send Cyborg to Australia then to fight. Well, that could work. She's Australian, Megan Anderson? Yeah. Send her there and be done with it.
0: That could work. But, but how, now, how she's, but now have... she's got... But now the problem is Cyborg has... The Nunez fight coming up. And that's what Dana White said. That is definitely happening. Yeah, but well, because Anderson... Exactly, because
1: Anderson is a bit... We don't know really what's going on with her. But again, look, I'm not taking anything away from, from Amanda, Amanda, Amanda Nunez. She's a great fighter. She's a, she's a champ, obviously. But she's a bantamweight. Yep. So even if she puts on a bit of muscle and all that, there's no way she's going to be weighing over 150 pounds come fight night. Chris Cyborg is going to be 165, 170.
0: And the muscle mass that woman has... It's incredible. It's incredible, and we still haven't seen her jujitsu. Yeah, we still haven't seen it at its at its full potential. That's the craziest part about all that. She's a black belt in jujitsu, and we have never seen her. She hasn't needed to. You saw that right hand. Did you see the look on Yana's face? Yana Kunitskaya.
1: Man, she went down she for a takedown. Ter- and she, she was terrified. She, she thanked God, though, that she got her down yeah, in the yeah, first yeah. shot. But then she said to herself, Oh, crap, I can't hold her down.
0: She's like, that's the highlight of my UFC. You- <laughs> she can't hold her... It's the highlight of her UFC career. Yeah, no matter her down. No matter what happens from that one, that's the highlight. Because like she grabbed her leg and really brought her down. We were like, oh, okay, yeah, that didn't last very long. You know, I talk... Uh, you know, I often, <laughs> I often
1: criticize Holly Holm. You know? But you realize how... Special Holly Holm is nonetheless because she went to decision with Chris Cyborg, yeah. Whereas everyone else are getting you're getting murked within the first, second, or third round.
0: And do you believe I, I think I know the answer to this, but I will ask now after time has passed, even if they faced each other, yeah, do you believe that Holly Holm is a better fighter than Amanda Nunes?
1: She could be. The problem is she never pulls the trigger, I think she's always. She always has regret after her fights that she says, you know, I should have given a bit more, I should have put out more, more output and all that. And her coaches are yelling for 25 minutes, attack more, attack more, where she's yeah. just waiting and waiting. I think that if she was able to really have that killer instinct, like she, like she did with Holly, uh, with uh, with uh, Ronda Rousey, excuse me, yes, yes, yeah, she could, she could definitely be a hell of a fight for Amanda Nunez Whereas Amanda Nunez actually is going in and she's going to take her out, t- take the opponent out every time. I really... That's that's the main difference. Skill-wise, I think they're both equally skilled. But Holly Holm is just unable to pull the trigger. Her last fights were relatively boring, right? That's the issue.
0: Which also begs the question after that, Chris Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes, I mean, are we automatically giving the advantage to Chris Cyborg? Yeah. You can have no choice. Yeah,
1: because look, she's amazing stand-up, just like Amanda Nunes. Great on the ground like Amanda Nunes but she's 20 pounds heavier and all muscle and she has cardio you know Holly Holm they they went through a five round fight nonetheless so
0: absolutely you, you don't have a choice I think all right. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to take the time to actually make a little uh, announcement. I yep. think. Uh, I think we're due. So uh, Adam and I have been uh, signed on with uh, the help, of course, of uh, Alex, our uh, camera guy, video editor, multimedia extraordinaire. We salute you, my man. Um, we've been signed on actually to cover the Montreal Fight League MFL five this Saturday night. Uh, in Oka here in uh, the Montreal area. So if you guys are in the area, it's $35 for the tickets. It's the first time we'll be covering an event live on the spot. Um, We're... I couldn't tell you how excited we are to be able Very cool. Very to, cool. to, to, to be able to do that. Uh, look out for interviews with the president. Look out for potential interviews with fighters. Uh, prospects, right? Prospects yep. as well. That's what we want to do. You know, the Montreal Fight League is a is a huge promotion uh, here, at least in Quebec. And let me tell you, they've they, they've got some great fighters. And you know, this Saturday night, seventeen fights, three championship bouts. Uh, some Muay Thai, some kickboxing. It's it's just going to be absolutely amazing. And honestly, just talking about it, it, it's making my heart race because I can't wait to be a part of that and to uh, to bring you guys, Adam and I. Of course, we're going to bring you guys um, uh, interviews, prospects, the whole nine yards. Uh, it's just going to be so exciting. And uh, there's going to be content in French as well. So for uh, all our American friends and Ontario friends, we do apologize, but we have to respect the fact that we're from Montreal. I'll so. throw in a bit of Franglais
1: for you guys. Don't worry
0: about that. Yeah, there that. you go. There you go, Franglais. So uh So that's it. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add, man. Listen, check them out. Like you said, Montreal Fight League.
1: What I really like about them, even though it's not UFC caliber fights, it's all fighters that are prospects who want to you know, become eventual world champions in bigger promotions, uh, like Takeo, maybe Bellator, UFC. Yep. So you can expect all of these fighters to really go out and give it all that they, they have. They really want to promote themselves. That's their goal. They want to make... Just as... They, they want to make a living fighting, and everyone, George St. Pierre, uh, Conor McGregor, they all started in smaller promotions. That's right. It always starts like that,
0: right? Yep, absolutely. They're going there to fight, to impress... And to move up, with March Madness around the corner, here's the comparison. The UFC is like the NBA, and MFL is kind of like NCAA. It's like college-level basketball, where everybody, like Adam so perfectly said, everyone is putting in everything that they absolutely can. And on top of that, just for the record, uh, Adam and I and Alex, we're doing everything we can to keep bringing you guys new content. Uh, We love doing the podcast. We love doing the live streams. We're working on a couple of things. So don't be fooled by... You know, this This is not our final set, okay? That's a promise. That's a promise. But we're working on some stuff, and we hope that you guys will continue to tune in. Uh, I'm Andrew Michael Stone. That's Adam Dak. That's me. That's me. Uh, that's him. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, this podcast will be up on uh, soundcloud.com slash stoneonsports on iTunes. Just search Stone On Sports Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Mike Stone. Follow him. He's finally starting to use Twitter. Step by step. Adam underscore Dak, D-A-K-K. Cheers, guys. Have a good one.